in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. God bless you wherever you are. Another wonderful day. A beautiful day. It is a day the Lord has made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. Today is our third episode. And it is titled, Attitude of Repentance. Attitude of Repentance. Under our series, Attitude, Adopting Kingdom Attitude. Adopting Kingdom Attitude. And before we dig deeper into today's episode, I want us to have a word of prayer. We are praying. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. We pray as we gather tonight, as we gather this morning, as we gather this afternoon. Speak through yourself unto us. Grant us the understanding of this episode. Let us be people that will hear your voice and yield to it. Cause us to move and go according to your will. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Today's episode is Attitude of Repentance. And uh, this is the breakdown of the ad- of Attitude of Repentance as today's episode. We'll get to know the meaning of repentance and what is not repentance. And we'll take a biblical example and why repentance should be an attitude in the kingdom. We have started talking about attitudes in the kingdom. We started with attitude of service and we came to the next episode, which is the second episode, is the attitude of dependence on God. And today is our third episode. The episode, third episode is an attitude of repentance. And as we start digging deeper, one of the hardest things for men and women is to repent of their sins. And repentance is a direct challenge to man's willpower. It demands that we humble ourselves before God and give up everything that is contrary to his will. Repentance is a duty imposed upon all mankind. And it is a plain command of God. And no man can repent without bearing the responsibility that attached to it. As we go to Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 to 2, John the Baptist preached the message of repentance. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, When Jesus Christ began his public ministry, his message began with repentance. Now when we go to Acts chapter 17 and verse 30, Paul says something there. Paul said that God now command all men everywhere to repent. Can anyone read the scriptures and conclude that he can be saved without repentance? Surely not. 
Acts chapter 2 verse 38. The first gospel sermon included repentance in its message. Acts 17 verse 30. There is absolutely no hope for the man who is unwilling to repent of his sins. Now, this is what we want to do. So, as children of God, we need to adopt this attitude. Repentance is supposed to be an attitude of every believer. God's children must be willing to repent when they are guilty of sin. So this is what Bible says when it go to 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 to 10. Bible makes us understand that if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. So this stresses the importance of Christians' retention of the proper attitude towards repentance. Now, the one, the second thing that I want us to do is there are certain things that are not repentance. So I want us to look at the things that are not repentance and we'll look at things that are repentance. So we want to know the procedure to which we can repent properly towards guilty of sins. Amen. Now, let us clear away some misunderstanding that repentance by learning what is not. The number one point is repentance is not simply being afraid. Repentance is not simply being afraid. There are people that when they think about their sinfulness, they are so afraid. But just being afraid of your sins is not repentance. That's why when you go to Acts chapter 24 and the verse 25, Paul told Felix to repent. So when God, when Paul revealed to Felix of his sins, and he's told Felix that Felix, you need repentance. But the Bible makes us understand that Felix trembled with fear, but he did not repent and turn away. So there are many people today who are afraid when they think of their sinfulness, but they are like Felix refuse to repent and die without hope. Now the second point I want us to look is repentance is not simply being sorry that one has sinned. Let me take it again. 
Repentance is not simply being sorry that one has sinned. There are people that they are so sorry about something that they have done. And when you are just sorry about your sin, it's not repentance. So the murderers of Jesus sorrowed on Pentecost at Peter's preaching. When Peter was preaching on a Pentecost day, the murderers of Jesus had a godly sorrow. So they were pierced in their heart by a godly sorrow, yet they were told to repent. Their sorrow was godly because it was produced by their faith in gospel preaching. But that's not a total repentance. The need to repent. Amen. The last point that is not repentance is repentance is not simply and solely a reformation of life. There are people that they have reformed their life and they are now living a different lifestyle, but it's not repentance. Why? Now, when someone quits a sin and refuses to repent towards God, it's not repentance. So someone may quit sin because that sin is rendering him unpopular in his business or among his peers. So is that one is Thomas reformation of life. The person has reformed himself into a different standard. But the Bible makes us understand that a reformation of life is not repentance. So now, what is repentance? Repentance is a change of mind or will based upon godly sorrow. That's the second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Now, when you have the change of mind or the will based upon godly sorrow, the second step is Acts chapter 26, verse 20. That result has to send you or direct you to Christ. It has resulted in a manner of life directed by Christ. Follow Christ. Surrender unto God. Give up. For God controls you. And so when you are when you see you have repented and your repentance is not based on those definition, that is not an appropriate repentance. Never be afraid of your sin and say you have repented. Never be sorry for your sin and say to yourself that you have repented. Never reform yourself by leaving one sin behind and doing another. 
and call yourself that you have repented. But the true repentance is a change of mind and it changing you and directing you to God is what we call it, repentance. Amen. So let's take an example, a clear biblical example of repentance and see what repentance is and what is not. We have mentioned what repentance is not. And now we know the definition of repentance. I want us to take a biblical example and see what exactly is repentance. Now Jesus Christ gave an account of repentance which gives much understanding with that scenario. He said, A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And the child said, I will not. But afterwards, he repented and went. This boy began to reflect on what he had done, and he realized that he had disobeyed his father. So he became conscious of the fact that he sinned against his father, who was responsible for his every existence. And when he came to himself, he acknowledged that wrong and then corrected it. He changed his mind, which is called repentance, and did what he said he would not do. Jesus said that this is a true repentance. Amen. Then when the man came to the first son, said the son, go to Mbaiyad, go and work for me today. And the son said to them, no, dad, I won't go. But when he was sitting there, reflecting what he has done and the relationship that he has with the father, Bible says that he came to his senses and he said, no, I have sinned against my father. I need to go to the farm and work. And he went there to work at that day. This is what Jesus said that this is a true repentance. He said no, and he came to his senses, and he turned back to where he said no to. And so the moment you, you say no, and you refuse to turn to Christ, that is not a complete repentance. Amen. It's a Matthew chapter 5 verse 4 says something there. It says that the blessed are are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Amen. So this is something that we just want to dig deeper and see what is it. So I want us to begin with this. That what does blessed are those who mourn means? Blessed are those who mourn. Mourning what? 
Let us first note that it does not just mean Jesus does not mean blessed are unattractive or cheerless Christians. Some some believers have apparently interrupted interpreted this in different way. Christ certainly is not pronouncing beatitude on an abounding disposition. Jesus was not saying that a mourning is something good. So blessed are those who are mourning over the difficulties of life. No. Bible does not say that the mourning by itself is a blood blessed state. Sorrow is not blessed any more than laughter is. In fact, some mourning is a curse. We can have examples of certain mourning that are curse. Then when we go to Second Samuel chapter 13 and verse 2, Ammon mourned because his last was not fulfilled by Tamar. That's a curse. Now when it goes to 1 Kings chapter 21 and verse 4, something happens there. Ahab mourned because he wanted, but they couldn't get Naboth's vineyard. And so this gives an account that some mourns are cursed. Amen. Now I want us to see something here. Now it is very important to see that the morning is definitely not in trend today, despite its necessity for spiritual health. However, before elaborating on this point, we must emphasize that harmony and laughter are good and necessary for a believer. That's why Solomon said that merry heart acts as a good medicine in Proverbs 17:22. Laughter is essential, but the world is the world hates sorrow so much that it has gone wild in its attempt to avoid it. Amen. Now more than have structured life as maximizing entertainment and amusement in an attempt to make a life as one big party. You see, the church is, 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 is almost the same where some spread, some actually hold that if God if we are good Christians, filled with the Holy Spirit, we will experience no sorrow. Amen. This is some people, some people's definition. But that Jesus gave an account that we need to mourn over our sins and leave it behind. We tend to God for repentance. We tend to God for fulfillment. We tend to God to control us. So true Christianity manifests itself 
and what we cry over and what we laughed about. Amen. In the matters of spiritual life and health, mourning is not optional. Spiritual mourning is necessary for salvation. Amen. That's why no one is truly Christian who has never not mourned over his over his or her sins. We cannot be forgiven if we are not sorry for our sins. Amen. So if we have never sorrowed over sin in life, then we have to consider and be careful whether we are really Christians or not. A genuine believer, those who are truly born again, have mourned and continue to mourn over their sins. As the Bible says, the blessed are they that mourn, for they will be comforted, mourning over our sins, seeing that we have done something wrong and will go back unto God and we kneel before Him. And they will say, God, we have sinned against you. Forgive our sins. This is what Matthew chapter 5 and the verse 4 was talking about. That we mourning over our sins, returning back unto God, leaving the worldly things behind, getting back unto God. This is what Bible was talking about. Amen. Now, what is the result of mourning? When we mourn, what is the result of mourning? Amen. Is it in the first beatitude we saw that an ongoing poor in spirit leaves us open to ongoing blessings of the kingdom. That's why Bible makes us understand. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, as the poor in spirit, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the verse 4 says, The blessed are they that mourn, for they will be comforted. Hallelujah. And so this gives us an idea. That is, is an ongoing morning that opens us to his unspeakable comfort and joy. And this naturally anticipates and introduces the inconsistent reward. For they shall be comforted. Amen. There is something that we need to notice here. Is an immediate comfort the moment you repent. Repentance comes with immediate comfort. That's why the Bible says, Blessed are the day that mourn, for they will be comforted. For they shall be comforted. So the moment we, are, we repent, the comfort is immediate. Hallelujah. So we need to notice that a comfort is actually immediate. 
blessed are the mourners, for they shall be immediately comforted, for they shall continue to be so. As far as we are, we are in, we have the attitude of repentance, a continuous comfort is our portion. Amen. Now I want us to look something here. There's something that was that Jesus gave account when he got to Luke chapter 15 and the verse 18 to 20. Is it to those who are not yet believers, perhaps unsaved evangelicals, understand that this paradox is meant to lead you to salvation? But if a spiritual, if a, if a spirit of mourning is wailing up within you, then let the morning elevate you to God. That's why the prodigal son, as the prodigal son did so, he recognized his condition and mourned over it. And in the midst of his misery, he said to himself, I will rise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. And the Bible makes makes us understand that but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. This is what we call blessed are those, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. This is a true example of the attitude of repentance. He stood and said to himself, let me give up. And the Bible says that he cried, he mourned over his sin. And he said to himself, I need to turn back to my father. And I will say to him that the father forgive my iniquities. And accept me as one of your workers. But the Bible says that as far as he was coming, he was so far, but the comfort was immediate. The comfort reached him when he was afar. This Bible makes us understand in a mighty chapter 5 and verse 4. That's the attitude of repentance as the moment we set our mind to repent from our sins, comfort is immediate. Comfort is immediate. God bless you and bless me and bless us all. There's something that we need to grab from here is an attitude of repentance. Realizing that the condition, the this the situation that we find ourselves is not convenient. 
And so we need to rise and change our mind. And changing our mind is we turn into God. And the Bible makes us understand that we turn into God is going to be an immediate comfort unto our life. Amen. That's why God commands us in the book of James took our sins seriously as Christians and mourn over them, be afflicted, mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and let your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Let me give one account at what Jesus, the Bible makes this clear, that David mourned for, for the sins of others. He says that my eyes shed stream of tears because people do not keep your law. We'll go to Psalm 119 verse 136. Now, now, let's pick at, at the, uh, something from Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 1, and chapter 13, verse 17. The great characteristics of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, was, was that he wept for his people. Now, that's something that Jesus Christ also did. Jesus wept outside of Lazarus' tomb, not because Lazarus had died, or he was about to raise him from his dead. He was weeping over the sin-hardened hearts of the people who were standing there. There are people who were standing there believing in their heart that Lazarus is dead and Jesus cannot raise him up. So Jesus weep because of the sin-hardened hearts of the people. Amen. As we mourn over our sins and mourn over the sins of others of the world, the sin, the things that we see around, Bible says that comfort is immediate for us. That's why my Dio says, Blessed are they for blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. They've said that those so in tears shall reap with joy. He who goes forth and weeped, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. Amen. Bringing his shares with him. This is something that David was saying, that when we weep over our sins, that's going to be a comfort. And the comfort comes with a package of joy. There's a joy in the heart. There's a joy in life. 
when we repent, when we have the attitude of repentance, there's a joy upon our life. You feel less loaded. You feel that a burden has taken out of you, a load has been taken out of your life. Repentance is something that God has commanded each and every one. And it's something that we can do away when we, we are children of God, seeking salvation seeking to enter into the kingdom of God. It says that those will be comforted immediately when they repent from their sins. May God bless us to grab this attitude of repentance that we will be consistently be people that any time that we feel guilty We'll go on our knees and pray to God that our Father forgive our iniquities. We look unto you, Christ. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. And this is Bible said this is what God is expecting from us. This is what we need to expect in the kingdom. That's why it's a kingdom attitude and it's an attitude of repentance. God bless you. May you be blessed beyond measures. We are praying our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, for this revelation. We bless you. That I keep us, reveal more unto us, speak to us, that we will be people that will walk according to your will. Let us be rooted in us. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Have a wonderful day, a spiritual day. May God be with you. See you in the next episode. Goodbye. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, God bless you wherever you are. Another wonderful day, a spiritual day. It is the day the Lord has made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. Today is our fourth episode. And our fourth episode is titled, Attitude of Meekness and Humility. Attitude of Meekness and Humility. And at the end of this episode, we will get to know what is meekness and what is humility as an attitude in the kingdom of God. And before we dig deeper in our fourth episode, I want us to have a, say a word of prayer and we dig deeper. We are praying, our Heavenly Father, we thank you, give you the praise. We exalt you, magnify you, and we pray tonight the Spirit of God come and take absolute control Come and lead us and usher us into greater understanding. And uh, we will give you all the praise. Those and many more we ask in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.
Now we are starting our today's episode, and as I said earlier, today's episode is Attitude of Meekness and Humility. The greatest in the kingdom is the one who is humble like a child. I have heard of I have heard of people say a child is humble because it is forgiving. But perhaps but a child is not just forgiving, he is totally dependent on his parent. Where does a child receive what he needs? Who provides his food, changes his diapers, and dresses him up? When a child is in pain, to whom does he call? A child is weak, but he knows mommy and daddy can meet his needs. Amen. And if we seek to be approving, to be led by the Spirit, to avoid distraction, and to be like great people such as Moses and Jesus, then we need to possess meekness and humility. Amen. Now Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So when we go to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5, this is what Jesus said, that are blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. In the Bible, meekness is primarily emphasized as submissiveness towards God rather than man. As directed towards God, meekness and humility is required. Humility is an attitude or quality of mind. So Acts chapter 20 and verse 19, whereby a person holds low esteem or opinion of his own goodness and importance. Spiritually, one abases himself because he realizes his sinfulness and therefore he is willing to depend on God to meet his needs. Amen. So, meekness and humility is the opposite of pride, arrogance, and self-exaltation. A meek and a humble believer will accept persecution, mistreatment, suffering, or hardship without rebelling against God and without doubting his wisdom. Amen. Now, if we accept the fact that he has chosen to allow this to happen for his good purposes. Now, Moses had problems most of his of us would ever submit to. Now, when we go to the account of Moses, a lot that happened to Moses when God has given him that mandate to lead the people. And what Moses went through, it will be, it will be hard for some of us today 
to follow suit. How many of us would have stood for it? What happened to Moses? The people constantly explained about his leadership, even though he was just doing what God said. He was following God's examples, God's instructions, but the people were criticizing about Moses' leadership. No wonder he was called the meekest man on earth. And so now, those portion, I want us to dig deeper and see what is blessed are the meek. And we have, we have it in line with what Moses was doing. That was giving the meekest man on the earth. So specifically, what does the word meek or in many translations, we have it as gentle. What does gentle or meek mean? I want us to understand something first. So, there's one thing that we do make mistake about. There's a people has taken meekness as weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Amen. So, the one problem that we have in English word meek is that it rhymes with weak. So meek weak is rhymes. So people have linked these two words together for years. It does not denote cowardness or timidity when we come to meekness. Meekness does not mean we need to be cowards or we need to be t- timid. And neither does meekness suggest indecisiveness or lack of confidence. Meekness does not mean shy. We don't need to be shy. It does not, does not bring shyness or withdrawn personality. Now let's go look here. In a classical Greek, the word was used to describe trained animal, suiting medicine, a mild word, and a gentle breeze. And it's a word with brace in it. And in the New Testament, it bears the same sense. So meekness or gentleness implies self-control. Amen. So now we have, we started from those points that meekness is not weakness. Amen. It's, it's, since meekness rhyme with weakness, people believe that when someone is meek, the person is weak. No. As a meekness is not weakness. Amen. And the meekness does not denote cowardness or timidity. Amen. And it never suggests indecisiveness or lack of confidence. Amen. And the meekness doesn't grant someone to be shy or redrawn personality. But the Greek 
let's take the and so someone may ask what is meekness meekness is self-control meekness implies self-control gentleness implies self-control amen now it explains that it is the mean between excessive anger and excessive calm amen now i want us to take this portion again because we will explain further it is that it explained that it is it is the mean between excessive anger and excessive calm so the man who is meek is able to balance his anger it is the strength under control when someone is meek. The person has strength under control. The person is able to balance anger. The person is very strong. So meek, the meek is strong. Amen. Now the meek is gentle. The meek is mild. And he is in control. So we say he is as strong as steel, as metal. Amen. That's why Moses was referred as the meekest on the earth. Because he was able to balance his anger when the Israelites put him into a certain position that will lead him to get over, overboard and he was able to control his anger. So he was able to fall within the excessive anger and excessive calm. That's the strength of a meek person or gentle. Hallelujah. So this is what we want to say. Now let's put this one in. Now Jesus as a gentle person. So gentle Jesus himself forever displayed the dynamic of trust that is part and parcel of meekness. Now, let's see trust as part and parcel of meekness. Now, now when, as Peter, Peter records it in 1 Peter chapter, chapter 2 and verse 23, now let's see what Peter recorded about Jesus in first Peter chapter two and verse twenty three. It says that when he was reviled, he did not revile in returns. When he suffered, he threatened not, but he committed himself to him that judge righteously. This is this is the the the, the gentleness of Jesus. This is the meek aspect that is portrayed in the life of Jesus. Amen. And Jesus said it himself about, it said that Jesus said of himself that I am meek and lowly in heart. We'll go to Matthew chapter 11 and the verse 29. It says, so now as the embodiment of meekness, he display it in two ways, both of which shone in his power. 
so that I am, I am meek. Jesus said of himself, now in respect to, to his own person, he practiced neither retaliation nor unkindness. When he was mocked and spat upon, he answered nothing. He has trusted in his father. As we have denoted, when he was confronted by Pilate, he kept silent. He didn't talk. This is the aspect of Jesus. Now we are taking account of Jesus and uh, we see what what is Jesus all about. So the, the body of Jesus was full of meekness. The attitude and everything of Jesus is full of meekness. And uh, Jesus said to them, follow me and uh, I will make you. So we are as followers of Jesus. We need to grab this idea and grab this attitude that we need to portray the attitude of meekness. We need to be gentle in our dealings. Now, when his friends betrayed him and fled, he uttered no reproach. When Peter denied him, Jesus restored him to fellowship and service. This is the attitude of meekness. Now, when Judas came and kissed him in Gethsemane, Jesus called him friend. It <laughs> is so powerful. And Jesus meant it. He was, he, he was never hypocritical. He mean whatever comes on his way because he's, he's full of meekness. He's full of the attitude of meekness. He was full of the attitude of gentleness. As so wherever he stands, he displays it. Amen. Now, even in the point of death, he pleaded, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. This is another display of meekness. That's Luke 23, verse 34. And so today we are trying to pick the attitude of meekness. And that is an attitude in the kingdom that we have come. And so as a believer, whatever you, do, you are doing and wherever you stand, there's supposed to be an exhibition of this kind of attitude is supposed to be to be seen in your life as a believer that you exhibit the the attitude of meekness and humility amen as my chapter 5 verse 5 says that the blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth amen now, in all of this, Jesus was meek and mild. He was in control. He radiates power. He submits everything under control. Yet, when it came to matters of faith and the welfare of others, 
Jesus was a lion. This is how this is, this is how meek people are. Not that they are cowards, not that they are indecisive, but they, they are people that they know how to control situations. And so when the situation is there, they will know how to go about the situation. This is the attitude of meekness and humility. And so when you go to Matthew chapter 12, and the verse 9 to 45, now there was something there that Jesus did. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees' hardness of heart when he healed the man with withered hand on the Sabbath day. Now, we'll go to the Mark chapter 10 and the verse 13, 16. He was angered when he... His disciples tried to prevent children from coming to him. This is another side of a meek, the, the, the person who possesses the attitude of meekness and humility. Now we'll go to John chapter 2 and verse 14 to 17. Jesus made a lash and drowned money changers from the temple. He was lying. He changed people. See? You people are not doing what is right. And he changed them to do the right. This is the attitude of Jesus. And this is the attitude of meekness and humility. Amen. Now, he called Peter Satan after the outspoken fisherman tried to deter him from his heavenly mission. When you go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 to 23. This all boils down to the attitude of Jesus. And today we are talking about the attitude of humility. Attitude of meekness and humility. Now bringing these together, we have an amazing picture. And one, one who is meek has a gentle spirit. Because he trusts God. That's very powerful. So anyone that has a meek is a gentle, has a gentle spirit. Because he trusts God. Now we in from the beginning onset, we know trust as part of attitude of meekness and humility. Amen. Now, at the same time, the meek possesses massive strength and self-control. Although he can get things like what Jesus did at the temple, changing the money, money, money changes, he was still controlling his, himself. So that the meek people possesses massive strength and self-control which he exhibits in extending love rather than retaliation against those who do him evil. So this gives us that the meek people like Moses, Jesus, they were having the massive strength and self-control. And they exhibit 
the exhibition of those possession will never send them overboard. So whatever you do against them, they have that massive and self-control. They have the capacity to regulate the condition and the situation. Amen. Now let's 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 get deeper and see what is there. Now that those people stands up fiercely, you see, they don't they don't they don't they don't always they are always in control. They defend others or they, they in occasions they are able to stand firm to regulate situations for themselves and others. Now in in Matthew 5 5 we says that a blessed are the meek as our Lord was our blessed are the meek for it is clear that a gentle and a mixed spirit has a divine approval. Therefore, the presence or the lack of such is indicative of one's spiritual status. Amen. This is very powerful. That no one is so strong that his or her only respond is love. And no one is totally escaped pride or self. Nevertheless, Jesus' warnings are clear. So these are the words of Jesus. Jesus' words are not demanding perfections of believers. But the point is that if a gentle or mixed spirit is imperfectly present in our life, if it is not developing or growing, we may not have the smile of Jesus, which is everything. That the smile of Jesus is everything. The meekness is everything. Because the smile of Jesus, that will approve us for whatever we are pursuing. So there's no way that we will be arrogant. We will be doing our own things. And we'll be expecting the smile of our Lord Jesus Christ. You, we can misbehave and we call ourselves as, as believers that will see the smile of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the reward of meekness is truly amazing. The reward of the meek people. It says that they shall inherit yet this is the meek people it's not about believers it's that the bible makes us understand that those that will inherit the earth is not believers it's not churchgoers it's not what it's not preachers it's not about what you are doing but it's an attitude those that have that attitude will inherit the earth amen it's, it's as simple as that that those that possess that attitude are going to inherit the earth. It's not if you, whatever you do in the house of God, 
whatever you are doing, whatever you are providing, if you don't possess the attitude, you can inherit the earth. Hallelujah. And so this is a very powerful thing. So that's the reward of meek people. That's the reward of the meekness. And it's truly amazing that they will inherit the earth. So in the New Testament, God's people are not a physical nation. They are gathered from all nations and tongues. And the land or the earth that they are going to inherit is not a physical plot of ground. It is heaven itself. Bible makes I understand that a time is coming when the the fellow heads with Christ will will reign with him in in his earthly kingdom, and we will inherit the earth, and we will even judge the world when you go to First Corinthians chapter six and it, and a verse two, and this. Is not mentioning the the believers, but it's mentioning believers that possesses the attitude of meekness and humility. Amen. Now the weak are the only ones who in, who will inherit the earth. They shall inherit the earth. Is a day. The day is emphatic. They only. Only they shall inherit the earth. They are the rich right now, and the fifty billion trillion years into eternity, they will be heaping in the unfolding of the immeasurable riches of God's grace. In in Ephesians chapter two verse seven. Is there only? It's their inheritance. They will inherit the yet. Those that possess the attitude of meekness and humility. Now I want us to take one or two things here and we'll bring our episode to an end because we are grabbing the, the, the meaning of it. It's the meekness are the self-control people. They control situation. They know how to go about situation. They know how to deal with situation. As Jesus is the is the, the, the biggest example on this. The attitude of meekness and humility. Now I just want to pick two or three points here. And we 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 will put this this episode to an end. I want us to see the Christ-like meekness. Christ-like meekness. We talk about meekness, but we have Christ-like meekness. The number one is we must realize that a gentle and attaching spirit is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This comes with when we possess the Holy Spirit in us. When we allow the Spirit of God to take control, those that have, that's why Jesus said that the Spirit of God is upon me and has mandated me to proclaim the good news. So those that possess the Holy Spirit, I will automatically, those that are operating under the unction and the Spirit of God, 
will receive with the gentle and the touching spirit, which is the spirit of meekness. And therefore, it comes only through grace. So Moses received that grace when meekness was his portion. Amen. The meekness was the portion of Moses. And that Jesus was possessing the total meekness. Now we need to pick this that we must cast ourselves on God. Asking in humble prayer that we that he will give us life, makes us his children, and he instill in us a spirit of meekness. So we need to pray and yearn for it. We need to yearn for spirit of meekness. As Bible makes us understand that the spirit of meekness, when we read Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23, it says that a distance and attaching is a spirit of the Holy Spirit. It's a spirit, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And as we yearn for it, it shall be given unto us. And at the same time, we have to ask confidently because we know that if we ask anything according to his will, he will do it. And at John chapter 14, verse 13. And, as, and such action ought to be continual because every soul needs to grow in grace regardless of one's level of spiritual maturity. It's, it's supposed to be a continual action, continual pursuing, continual yearning for the spirit of meekness. And this will keep us in line with the, with the attitude of meekness and humility. And there we will inherit the earth. Amen. Now, with the second one that I just want us to pick is we must yoke ourselves to Jesus for he is the embodiment of meekness. We have to yoke ourselves to Jesus for he was the embodiment of meekness. And so our Lord Jesus said of himself that I take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 and 30. And so Jesus promises that, if we yoke ourselves to him, we will learn gentleness and humility. This is very powerful. The Jesus says that yoke yourselves unto me and you will realize and come to the knowledge of gentleness, meekness, and humility. It's a meekness is toward God is the most fundamental and a basic sense in which we will be meek and humble. We, first of all, need to be meek towards God. 
to meekness towards God as a foundation that will prepare us to be meek and humble. As we yearn for, we receive it. As we pray for, we receive it. Amen. Though in the same context, where we also told to be meek and humble towards all men, as we as we are as we are meek towards God first, then we will be meek towards all men at second position. Amen. That's why the Bible makes us understand that be submissive to ordinance of men, whether king or governor, or to proper representatives of rulers. Why should we submit? Why should we submit unto those people? Because it's God's will. Make submission to God's, God's law will let us to be meekly submit to rulers. So first of all, we need to be submissive unto God. And that will lead us to be submissive to the people in authority. Amen. Now, the last, the, the last one we just want to pick here is, none of us is free to do what whatever he wants. Is if we want something, we can do whatever we want, but all of us need to learn meekness and humility. You can be a believer and you do what you want. You can be a child of God and you do what you want. What your heart tells you to do is what you do. No, Bible says that such people are not going to inherit the earth. That's why Paul said in the Philippians that whenever I see you or I am aware of you, let your attitude go according to the gospel. Go in conformity with the gospel. As if Jesus was telling us that we can do whatever we want to do, but we need to learn to be meekness and humility Humble people. And so we, we, we know that we need to submit to God first and we submit to whatever ethos that is around us. Amen. This is what we want to say today that as we institute this fourth episode as the attitude of humility, attitude of meekness and humility, and we've learned the, the, the example of Jesus. That we've taken Jesus as an, an example today. That the life that Jesus was living was full and he was possessing the attitude of humility. Moses possessed the attitude of humility. Because sometimes people believe that we can be like Jesus. So if Moses was able to to live and Bible says that he was given a name as the meekest on the earth, then we will have to. And the reason that we have to is only the meek and the humble will possess and inherit the earth. No matter what you do in the house of God, 
no matter your contribution into the progress of the ministry if you are not humble and if you are not if you are not meek gentle soul gentle heart if you don't know how to go about situation if you don't know how to go about when things arise the bible says that such people cannot inherit the earth unless you possess the spirit of meekness and humility that's why mind you chapter 5 and the verse 5 says that the blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth we are bringing today's episode to an end as we begin our series adopting kingdom attitude and so this is one of the attitude in the kingdom of god that as a child of God, you need to be meek and humble at all circumstances. Humble in the house of God. Humble in the things of God. Humble in everywhere. Wherever you stand, you need to show a sign of humility. And the Bible makes us understand that the meekness is not a weakness. So if you are meek, does not mean you are weak. Don't let somebody take you for granted. But the meek people are the people that are able to control anger. And so it, we've learned that they are mean between excessive anger and excessive calm, whereby they are able to balance situations and able to stand firm on their knees, on their toes. They are, they are the people that will, re, will inherit the earth. As the Bible makes us understand that the meek are the people that will inherit the earth. Amen. And the meek always sees the smile of our Lord Jesus Christ because they are humble. Says that are humble yourself, yoke yourself with me, Jesus. And I will let you learn meekness and humility. Another wonderful session episode. And we pray tonight, this morning, this afternoon, that whatever it is, we will grab the insight and the meaning. We will grab what the Lord has for us. As we've learned that the meekness a gentle spirit and is a gift of the Holy Spirit. We need to possess that. We need to have it. We need to grab it. And the Bible makes us understand that we need to yearn and pray for. All the attitude that we are talking about is yearning and praying for that we will receive. Because it's and attitudes in the kingdom of God. And in every kingdom, every house, every family, there is a rules and regulations governing such house and family. And when you come and join the Christian family, we have an attitude that takes 
in place that controls believers. And we started with attitude of service. We come to the attitude of dependence on God. And we came to the next one as attitude of repentance. And today episode is attitude of meekness and humility. We are praying, Father, we thank you for those give you all the praise, we give you all the honor. We pray that as we are, as your word has come to us, we pray that our God calls us to understand, calls us to crowd the wisdom around us, calls us to effect it in our life, calls us to do your will. We pray that whatever it is that we need to possess the attitude of meekness, let it be granted unto us in the mighty name of Lord Jesus. May we inherit the act as people that are meek and humble in your sight and in wherever you sign unto your people. We thank you for those. We know it has done as we yearn for this and many more. We pray of committing all listeners to honor that as they listen, your voice, the change takes over. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you, wherever you are. This is on the end of our episode, and I catch up with you in the next episode. Stay tuned. Subscribe, join, get us on all platforms. Google Podcast. You can get us on Spotify. We have all the all the uh, podcasts. Just go to Google, log in, and search for the name Apostle Paul Boabing, and you will catch up with me and listen. Let's grow together and edify ourselves. God bless you. See you. Shalom. Peace.